0: have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. Roy, hi. You're on the air with Ken Patterson. Hey, guys. I
1: love the show. and You know what? I really need to send you some pictures of the projects you guys have helped me complete
2: because We'd love really, to without them. your help, it, it, it would never have happened. Great. Thank you so much. We'd love to have them, too. Who knows? Okay. They may wind up on, on my website.
0: Do you have a question about your home, inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can join Ken at 1-800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can always forward your questions to Ken's website. That is KenTheContractor.com. You
2: know, it is, as I've said from time to time over the last few weeks, it is real estate market. And we've done a lot of talking and communicating based on emails and phone calls about people looking to buy homes. We're going to spend a few minutes today talking about those of you that are on the other side. You're sitting there trying to sell. Now, the market in in a lot of our listing areas and cities and so forth has changed where it's not really a buyer's market, but it still is in the seller's market. We're seeing improvement not only in the sales price of homes, we're seeing a reduction in inventory, and we're seeing a little more competition than we have seen in the last number of years. For some of you, I realize you're saying that's not true in my neighborhood, but we are seeing a trend up upward nationwide it will come give it a little time but the fact that there are still a number of homes for you to be competing with I want to talk about a few things that you need to consider to help make your home stand out above those in your neighborhood and I'm also going to talk about doing this without spending a fortune because for most of us we're not excited about going in and putting three four five ten thousand dollars in a house before we can put it on the market to sell at the same time, you are competing with the person next door, your friend, your neighbor, your brother, your sister, perhaps a block away in that same subdivision. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things you need to do. First and foremost, and this is basic marketing, folks, if you can't get people to stop by, to look at the house, and to ask questions, you never have an opportunity of making a sale. We want to talk about curb appeal. And there's some very simple things that an awful lot of people that I talk with Either don't get or don't see the value in that. And for some of us, maybe it's not important, but I promise you, for curb appeal and to get people to stop and look, it is. And that starts with the outside. It can be as simple as just cutting the grass, edging the concrete, the driveway, pruning the shrubs that are there, removing dead limbs from trees. Again, you've got to make this appealing to somebody driving by before they're going to stop and even pick up a brochure or call a real estate agent about your house. You want to remove all the trash and debris. If you've got old lawnmowers, tires, other things sitting around piled up in the back, maybe it's something that's a hobby of yours, and that's fine, but you need to get it off-site. You need to have a storage building somewhere else. You need to have a mini-storage unit, something along those lines, but you need to remove it from the perimeter. The other thing you need to take serious is little things to you, and I'm the same way around my house. Sometimes I don't notice things that I should, but somebody else would see it first and point it out. If you've got a torn window screen, that's sort of an eyesore to people driving down the road. It says something about how we maintain our homes, or how the the rest of the inside might look. So think about a few dollars, five to ten dollars at a hardware store, or get the fabric yourself. Rescreen that window, and I would say at the very least. Pull the window screen out rather than have this fla- this fabric just kind of flopping around in the wind. Take a look at gutters and downspouts. Are they filled with trash? Do they look well kept? Do you have trash and debris up on the roof? These are things, again, that just turn people off, that stop them from even having any interest in your home. Once you get through with the outside, and again, we haven't spent any significant money yet. I want you to pay attention to that. Then I want you to think about your, your driveways, your patios, And I said outside, that was the house proper. But I want you to think about any hardscaping you have, driveways, patios, and determine whether or not they really need to be cleaned. And I don't mean that you have to go in there with a lot of soap and water and spend a lot of time, but this is a case where it might be good to borrow or rent $25 or so a day, a power washer, a low PSI, not a high PSI, as we talk about occasionally on the show because you can create damage, but a power washer or even some attachments that will go on the end of your garden hose will easily pressure wash uh, to some extent the deck, the patio, the soffit, the fascia, the gutter, the windows. Get rid of those cobwebs, again, those things that are unsightly. We haven't even talked about paint. We're still talking about all the things you can do on your own for almost no dollars. Let's move to the inside because, again, this is a low-end get-the-house-ready-for-sale. Let's get rid of the clutter, people. Things that all of us have that are hobbies, that are collectibles to us, they're valuable to us in our own homes. And, yes, they are keepsakes. They have uh, meaning to us. It may be from our children, from our parents. Who knows? The point is it's not of value to other people. And the, th- the more we have in our homes, the clutter that some would say is in there reduces the size of the space in the eyes of many that are looking at your home. Have it look neat. Have it look clean. Have it look tidy. And this may mean that you just pack away a number of those items and put them in the attic, put them in the basement as long as it's neatly stored, and that's not cluttered. Get a mini storage somewhere and put them in those locations. But get rid of the clutter. Remove any trash. You've got old calendars and things sitting in the corner. You've got a home office and you've got all kinds of past due, not past due, but old paperwork. Get it out of the place. I hope you don't have past due bills, but get your paperwork out. Make it look clean. These are simple things. Then go through do one more item that a lot of us just don't pay a lot of attention to either because we live there. How about handprints, grease print, fingerprints that are on doors, doorknobs, cabinets, countertops? We live there. We look at it, and frankly, we see it, and it's just one of those things that seems to be there, so we don't think a lot about it. But these are extremely simple, very, very inexpensive things for you to do. Once you have done those items... You can continue on with the cleaning, shampooing, carpets. You can start spending a little more money than looking at minor repairs. If you happen to have a a front door, for example, that really could stand a coat of paint, you might invest in a quart of paint, prep it, and paint it yourself. Again, it's part of that curb appeal. If you can't get them to stop, you're never going to have the opportunity of making that sale. Then if you have a little bit of money, when this is all said and done, I'm going to suggest to you that you do the same thing I tell folks that are buying, and that is hire a home inspector, You may spend $350, depending on your market, but let them go through and critique your home inside and out. They'll write up a detailed list. They'll give you photographs of things that need maintenance, that need service, items that you may not know about that could also save you money, even if you decide not to sell the home, just to keep it in good repair.
0: I know uh, when I was a kid growing up, we moved a a lot, like six or seven years in a row due to my dad's job. And there was the fire drill when the real estate agent was bringing somebody around, and it included my mother grabbing a bottle of something and getting the kitchen floor bright and shiny. And my job was to grab the weed eater or something and to take care of those little... We must have mowed the lawn two and three times a week. Yep, you would. You should. Back in those days, because that's one of the ones that the agent at the time said... That's the first impression people get. And if you've got a sloppy-looking lawn, which is why even when houses are are uninhabited and being sold, they still usually pay somebody to mow the lawn.
2: Exactly. Even if it's a foreclosure somewhere, a lender knows that it's going to generate a little more interest and
0: a little more money by having the outside look better than just having it totally abandoned. I'm Jim Britton, along with Ken the Contractor. We're right here, ready to take questions about your home inside or out. You can join us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can forward your questions to Ken's website. That's KenTheContractor.com. And while you're there, don't forget you can listen to podcasts of recent programs and also take advantage of all the valuable home improvement information that Ken has compiled at KenTheContractor.com. Coming up on this edition of Ken The Contractor, coming up about a half hour from now in our In the News segment, Ken is going to tell you about some of the most popular and favorite products of 2011. And coming up at the bottom of the hour, one-on-one this week, Ken will be talking with a representative from Warehouser about fire-protected floor joists. That's coming up on this edition of Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor.
2: Do you have questions about your home, inside or out? KenTheContractor.com is all you need to know. I'm Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Visit KenTheContractor.com for answers to plumbing, fencing, electrical, roofing, painting, heating, fireplaces, decks, and much more. Submit your questions or call anytime. Remember,
0: KenTheContractor.com, where folks come for professional answers. Welcome back. Do you have a question about your home, inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or forward your questions to KenTheContractor.com. Let's go to the phones right now. And joining us right now is Jim. Jim, hi. You're on the air with Ken Patterson.
1: Yes, Ken. Good morning. Hi, Uh, Jim. I have a peculiar problem with a flat roof. Uh, I have a screen porch. It has a flat roof. It connects my house to my garage. And until two years ago, it had a uh, tar and gravel roof on it that had been there for over 40 years It, it uh, served me well. And uh, then I had to replace it. It developed a leak or two. And uh, I had a contractor put a membrane roof, an EPDM okay. roof, I believe it was. And uh, uh, it was two years ago this month. And that did well until about two weeks ago, and I noticed uh, a leak in one place. And uh, then uh, a few days later, it rained again, and there were a couple more leaks. My son-in-law was here uh, a few days ago, and he got a ladder and climbed up there and found uh, there were several holes in the roof that looked like an animal or a bird had, had uh, dug through the membrane. And I... You know, I'm not, su- I'm concerned of course about getting it fixed, but, uh, I'm more concerned about preventing a recurrence of that same problem. Do you have any suggestions or have you ever heard of anything like that?
2: Actually I have and that might surprise you now, but what, what I have experienced gets back to questions we have occasionally dealing with woodpeckers. And uh, I've had some instances where it was pretty evident, but the, the the people had noticed at least the sound of a woodpecker. Now, there may have been something under that the woodpecker could sense, could smell. I don't know, working their way through that. Have you had any instances or problems with woodpeckers around the house?
1: Uh, not in recent years. I, I asked my wife that question this morning. Have you heard anything uh, pecking or chewing or gnawing up there? Uh we have had a problem with a raccoon uh, getting into bird feeder, and uh, he uh, was actually up on my garage roof oh, several weeks ago, and uh, haven't seen him since. Now uh, I don't know exactly when this happened, but it was—I would say it was within the last month.
2: Well, raccoons and squirrels can also be problems, especially with rubber-type. Products We have experienced that even with wiring. You may have and others have where they will eat the insulation, the rubber or the vinyl insulation off of wiring and other materials. Usually they're attracted to that for some reason, though. And uh, just to get on the roof and arbitrarily gnaw a hole in the roof is something I have not experienced before. But I have had issues with rodents, especially uh, woodpeckers, number one, and then with rodents attacking items that you would not think they normally would. So is there anything that's that's coming from a tree that can be sitting on this roof that's attracting them? Do you have in, any type of uh, fruit, nuts, or anything off trees, berries that could be there that could be attracting them to the roof area? No,
1: there's no tree that overhangs the roof okay. anywhere.
2: Well, first I would recommend to you that you get that roof patched. That's uh, before you end up with some more rain on it because you'll end up with damage below that. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about an EPDM, and for some of you that don't understand that, that's basically a rubber roof that a lot of people talk about, Uh, and there are many varieties of that. But it's easy to patch, and you may be able to do it yourself. You may be able to pick a kid up from your roofer or just invite your roofer back out and let them take care of those. As far as the the rodents themselves, the only thing else I would suggest is to try and monitor that, and uh, you may also look at some type of repellent if you think that is your issue that you're positioning up there, not unlike something you might put down in your garage or even put in your garden that Mm -hmm. would repel uh, these type rodents.
1: I I just can't tell whether it is a bird or a mammal of some kind. Uh, My son-in-law took a couple pictures when he was up there, and there were some bird tracks, but they were small, it looked like a wren or, you know, a small bird like that. Not a not a big track at all.
2: Yeah, and as heavy as the EPDM material is, you're not likely to find a very small bird that's going to create a hole in that material. Again, woodpeckers are one that will, and I know they will. How how big are these holes, roughly, just to help me have a better uh, understanding? The biggest
1: one, I would say, is uh, about an inch and a half. Guess and that's... smaller ones maybe are the size of a nickel. Yeah,
2: well, that's pretty substantial, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yes. pretty decent. So uh, clearly it's going to be something that's either uh, a woodpecker or it's going to be one of the rodents that we've talked about. And if I were leaning in any direction, it would probably be squirrels, Given the, to me, given the experience I've had with them. I've had them even eat wires underneath uh, around your car engine. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced that, but they will get in there and they will damage wiring on automobiles. So Yeah, well, well
1: we do have plenty of squirrels around the house here.
2: And if they're up there working on acorns that uh, they may carry there or could blow there from uh, trees in the other areas, who knows how far they're going with that. Mm-hmm. But that's all I can suggest to you. The other the One last item that may point you in the direction of what type of animal it is, you may take some pictures of that uh, before you patch it. Again, get it patched right away. But get that to the local county extension agent. They may be able to be of some assistance and give you some direction in that.
1: The local what?
2: Uh, the, the county extension agent. Oh, all right. Okay. Because they can help with, with livestock and rodents and pests that we have around our household and around our farms, and they may recognize perhaps some of the marks. If you can get some close-ups on that rubber roof material, yes. they right. may be able to help identify that particular pest that you have.
0: Okay. And one of the other suggestions um, might be to check with the county agent and see what the local ordinances are. But you might be able to set up some type of trap to find out exactly what you're dealing with. Okay. And place it and bait it it up there and then go up and check it periodically. Because I know some folks have done that, particularly when they've been dealing with raccoons.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Very good, Ken.
2: Well, get it patched first. Don't forget about it. You'll have some damage down below. Okay. Thank you, sir.
0: We appreciate your call. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks, Jim. Good luck. All right, let's try to sneak in a uh, quick email from kenthecontractor.com. This comes to us from Samantha in Haverton,
2: Pennsylvania. It said, My husband, children, and I live in a 32 year old house in a community near Reading. Two times in the last year, we noticed our water becoming cloudy. We're on a public water supply. It looks milky white, and sometimes we notice small grit or sand settling in the sink. We have uh, We have a problem. Uh, she goes, on. let me just skip through this, said, we have a problem with our pipes, or do we have a problem with our pipes, and is this dangerous? Uh, We have not called a plumber yet. What do you recommend? Samantha, you probably have no issue at all. What happens, especially with municipal water supplies, from time to time, they will actually clean out water lines. They'll open a fire hydrant or a blow-off valve at the end of a line, in a subdivision or a main that provides uh, water to a section of the city. This has a tendency to stir up sediment, debris that's in the pipe. Now, what I tell people is it's still safe to drink because it's chlorinated, but you may not want that grit added to your water. I would watch this. You're saying it's only happened twice a year in this email or two times so far. If it becomes consistent, then I would be concerned that there may be a problem with your water pipes or maybe the line coming into your house. But the fact that this has happened only on two occasions and you're not describing that it's been back-to-back, my guess is that it's the city cleaning or maintaining the water lines, or perhaps if there was a fire in the area recently and a hydrant was open for fire truck, they're drawing so much water through there that, again, it tends to stir up the sediment. It'll be a milky white in some cases. That's air that's in the line and then also you'll get a little bit of sand or grit that runs through there. In spite of their best systems, we still get that, and that's why you have the little filters on your faucets, the little screen filters inside your house on most faucets as well. It's to help pull that little sand and grit out. Don't think you have a problem. Clearly, I don't think you have a health issue here.
0: If you have a question for Ken, you can reach Ken the Contractor at his website, KenTheContractor.com. A house is what you build, a home is what you make it, or feel free to call Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. We'd also like to welcome those of you who are listening to Ken the Contractor on one of our newest affiliates, WZGM, 1350 AM in Nashville, Asheville, North Carolina. We look forward to hearing from you. Again, you can reach us at 800-614-2975. We'll take a quick break. Back with more with Ken the Contractor right after this. Welcome back and thanks for joining us this weekend. Every weekend at this time, Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor is right here helping you with issues that are important to today's homeowner. If you have a question, you can join us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975 for forward questions to Ken's website, the Contractor. Time now for this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels. All to make your life better, provide options, and most importantly, save you money. My next guest
2: is Tim DeBilius. Tim's with Warehouser. Tim, welcome to today's show. Thanks, Ken. I'm delighted to be here. You have some unique products that we have to take some time to talk to homeowners about. We have to bring them up to speed on some code changes and what Warehouser has that could save them big dollars later on. Tell us a little bit about this.
3: Ken, I'm just excited as can be because for the first time in my career, we now have an I-joist that has a fire-resistant coating. It's called TJ joist with flak jacket protection, and it comes from some changes we're seeing in the 2012 International Residential Code for single-family construction.
2: Now, when you say flak jacket protection, there's some that might equate that to other things, but you're talking about a degree of fire protection that may prevent this entire structure, this area, from having to be covered under some of the building code changes. Is that correct?
3: That's correct. Under the, the new IRC, there are sections, particularly in a basement, where in the past you could have exposed wood structure, and the code changes would mean that the home either has to be sprinkled, you have to have a ceiling on uh, those joists, so to cover it up, or alternatively, you have to pass specific fire tests. And we've had that. We've taken TGI joists with flak jacket protection to an independent lab, and we've passed those tests that the
2: code requires. Okay, so it's not certified yet, as of this show, where it's accepted by the building official. So don't rush out and tell your building official, you heard on this show, that it's approved. But we want you to be aware, if you're planning on an expansion, if you're planning on new construction, that this is happening in the near future
3: that's exactly right we've submitted the paperwork and we're just waiting for the code bodies to approve it
2: All right and for those of you that are thinking about a structure with a basement area typically we have been able to leave that exposed using conventional framing eye joist whatever the case may be any insulation that's had paper on it has had to be covered you cannot have a flammable item exposed in most jurisdictions. But in this case, the code changes will stipulate that even the structure be covered. And that's where this product really comes into play. Correct. So that what you have been accustomed to for the last 10 years, 50 years, 100 years can remain, but you've got to use the right product. Now, this is not a fire-rated product in the sense of a one-hour, two-hour UL rating that some of you are accustomed to hearing your builder or architect talk about but it is a fire-protected structural component.
3: That's correct. In single-family, in multifamily construction, we do have a one-hour rated assembly using flak jacket. But for single-family, there's no, typically not a requirement for a rated assembly.
2: All right, now, what are the noticeable changes in the product? Will people see it looking different, a different color? Is there a film applied to it? What are they going to see?
3: When you look at it, it's got a blue coating on it. It's almost like a hard shell. And that hard shell is quite unique. While it's under construction, while it's being shipped, there's some moisture protection of the TJI joist. Once it goes into place, it just looks like a joist that's got a blue shell on it. The really amazing thing is that in an actual fire situation, the temperature gets above 400 degrees, that plastic coating grows and becomes kind of an insulation on the joist, so it gets to be about an inch thick it's similar to if you think about a wood member when it chars there's a protection as the char gets to be about three-eighths of an inch thick we're taking that same idea and applying it to a much lighter member and making an artificial char on the tji
2: that is quite unique so something to be asking your builder or your designer about later on that's trust joist with flat jacket protection and, again, depending on where you're listening to us, ask your local code officials about this product or what they know about it. And if they don't, how can they find out more about where you are with the certification?
3: Well, they can just go to our website, TrustJoyce.com or woodbyY.com or call your local TrustJoyce dealer, and they'll be able to connect you with our technical representative.
2: All right, I want to talk about one other item that's kind of a pet peeve of mine in the industry. There are many builders out there and, and producers that put out floor joy systems. When you walk across the floor, you know, it vibrates the bowl off the table on the other end of the room. Let's talk a little bit about how you achieve high-performance floor systems, those that are structurally sound and using the products that Warehouser has in the marketplace.
3: One of the amazing things for me and the reason I like my job is because we can help a customer build a better floor for less money, and usually, in most things, to get better is going to cost you more. What we know through years and years of research is that there are a number of factors that control how a floor feels, and those things can be the depth of the joist, the spacing of the joist, the thickness of the deck... Whether there's a ceiling or not, and so we have developed a system we call the TJ Pro Rating that allows builders and lumber dealers to make trade-offs between those factors. And so what you oftentimes find is the system that's a 11 and 7/8 inch I joist at 16 inches on center with a 22 30 seconds deck. We can increase the floor performance and make it feel better while also lowering the price of that entire floor.
2: There's nothing wrong with that at all. That is very unusual in the industry to find any component that allows us to do more with less. But in this case, you're really talking about the engineering. You're talking about looking at the structure and designing the optimum joist and subfloor for that so that all those components work in tandem to give you the least amount of deflection, the most stability, all for the least dollars.
3: Correct, and it's all about, even as we talk about deflection, it's about how the floor feels as opposed to what some of the calculations would be from a traditional engineering approach.
2: And as a longtime builder, that's been part of my issues with some people, the way they do things. The floor may look good until you walk on it. It doesn't feel so great.
3: You know, the way we think of it is the structure is really the bones of the house. The structure is there long after the mortgage is paid off. And that, that, if you're going to invest in an area, that's an area where you don't want to take any risk. You want to make sure that the walls, the floor, all of those components are built for the long haul.
2: Well, if those items are not performing, the finishes are not going to perform as well, whether it's drywall, uh, wall covering, whatever you may have on it, it's going to suffer. So if it's structurally sound, it will last a long period of time, and all of the finishes will do well long term. Tim, I appreciate you joining us today. This is an exciting new product. I'm going to track this as it moves through the approval system with various code authorities, and we expect to see this out in the home building industry in the very near future. Great. Thank you very much, Ken. Happy Thank- to be here today. Thanks for joining us today. You know, as a follow-up, is making great strides, so you want to check with your local code officials if you're preparing to put on an addition or do new construction, especially if it's over a crawl space or over a basement, because with this particular uh, fire-protected uh, joist product, you may not have to put drywall or other fire-rated materials to cover that, and that's become a huge issue all across the United States, even under various building codes. So this could be worth its added cost more times than a few in just savings, meaning if it costs you an extra $500, you may well save 1000 thousand, two thousand $2,000 by having to protect this area. So by all means, check with your local lumberyard, your provider on this product, and also with your local code officials and see what you can find out about the Warehouser Joyce product.
0: All right. And you can obviously find out more by going to Warehouser's website. Which is com. You'll find a whole bunch of information there. We do encourage you on many of the folks that Ken talks to follow up by going to their website and taking a look at the myriad of information they tend to assemble in one convenient location or right online. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, and he's here to help you deal with issues that are important to today's homeowner. If you have a question for Ken, you can join us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or if you're a little shy and don't want to talk on the radio, you can still email your question to Ken. You can reach him through his website, kenthecontractor.com. That's kenthecontractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Thanks for making us part of your weekend. You can join the show by calling Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can forward your questions in email form to KenTheContractor.com. We've got one now from Ocala, Florida. And this comes to us from Martine. Uh, We want to install an irrigation system for our yard and garden. We are on public water supply We can do our own irrigation installation. City tells us, though, we must obtain a permit and must have a backflow preventer valve. These look ugly and stick up above the ground a foot or so in the front yard. The permit is no issue, but they don't like the looks, Ken, of this backflow device. Is there some other option that will be more appealing
2: well, I can tell you an awful lot of people would have the same opinion that you do, Martine, when it comes to that. And uh, Ocala, Florida, happens to be a place that uh, many years ago was involved in constructing some buildings, so I'm a little familiar with, with ordinances there as well. But it's not just Ocala, but it, it's throughout the southeast and in many places where they've taken a very active role in trying to protect their water supply. And that's the purpose behind these backflow preventer valves. It's not government just trying to make your yard look ugly, but it is trying to protect your health and those around you. But let's talk a moment about the options. Primarily what this does is prevent anything in – your irrigation system, the line that's on your side of the property, if you will, from being able to flow back into that public water supply. If you had a broken line that was siphoning water out of a pond that was stagnant or you had fertilizer or other items in it, it could inadvertently get back into the domestic water supply and make others sick. And that's the reason those valves are there. A lot of municipalities will not accept what I'm about to tell you, so you're going to have to go to your public works department, your water department, and raise this question. And there are backflow devices made that will fit in a valve box below ground, but the reason they are typically above ground is they need to be higher than the highest point of your irrigation line or hose bibs, water hose connections that you might have standing in the yard, and that's the reason some are higher than others. So, again, you want to go to your water department. You want to ask them, one, if they either provide or will allow you through a wholesale plumbing company or a plumbing contractor to install a backflow valve that will mount in a box and below grade. Anticipate that you're going to pay two to three times the amount of money for that recessed or below-grade backflow device, though, that you will typically pay for the one that's above the ground, that it looks ugly. Another fairly inexpensive alternative that a lot of people do is once this valve is in place is you find some type of shrub or plant, uh, grass, especially in the Florida market that will grow year round, pampas grass, those type products that will hide this but also allow it to function. So there's some inexpensive ways of getting around it and having it blend in with your landscaping and not take away from it. The other thing I do want to caution you about from your irrigation standpoint, and I know you didn't ask this, but if You're going to do your own work. At least consult some of the manufacturers. Uh that will design this, and many companies will do it online free for you. Rainbird is an example. You can go to their website, and you can put your yard in there, and they will actually provide you with a layout for sprinkler heads, pipe size, and your solenoid valves. Some will do it on a more sophisticated level for a minimal fee, but some of these are also free. So good luck to you. I appreciate you raising the question. You do have some options, but you're going to have to end up, I'm reasonably sure, maintaining that backflow device.
0: I'll tell you one thing. Gentleman I talk a lot on the radio with says make sure you know how to set up your irrigation schedule. Don't water too much. And that's the mistake that some of these systems make. Because remember the that- The history or background of these systems is they've been used in either production agriculture, the large-scale systems, but the smaller ones are for golf courses. And you don't need to keep your lawn the same way a, a golf course does. And sometimes it can cause problems in your landscaping if you're putting water down infrequently instead of watering, putting down enough water over a period of time where you're actually getting some benefit from that water.
2: And if you're not sure about how to use that, consult with somebody in your community that understands the type of sod you may have, the grass, the plants that you're trying to irrigate as well, and they'll give you a watering schedule for, again, these type materials. Some grass require more, others less water, and knowing where you are, you've got a fairly sandy soil in Ocala, but somebody in Georgia or somebody in South Carolina with more of a clay content is going to be completely different so always for those of you questioning irrigation consult with your local
0: nursery or garden shop and they'll give you some pointers all right let's wrap up this hour with our session of in the news weekly ken brings products trends and services that are important for you to make informed decisions about your home maintenance remodeling and new construction and we like lists. We love lists. We love
2: lists. I mean, we, we are Americans, and we like our list. And I'm not going to read all of these to you, but I want to touch on some of these because this tells you where we're going in terms of our interest in home building and remodeling around the country. And Builders Magazine, which is put out for professionals, recently completed a survey and released information for the top 50 most popular products for professional builders around the nation last year. And it's interesting to see some of the trends is that four of the top 10 all dealt with energy-efficient siding. And the reason builders are paying attention to that is because you, the listener, are asking about it. It says, we are paying attention to energy efficiency in our home. The items that we would would look at certainly start out with Timber Products Company, Radiant Barrier Plywood Panels. That was number one on the list of 50 going into homes. Number two on that are synthetic products manufactured by uh, Borel or Borel Stone Products. We've had them on, in fact, as a guest in the past, talking about some of their synthetic stone and stone veneer that's being used outside and inside, also on the exterior, some of the insulating characteristics that may be there as well. Then another one that I found very unique, because really I have not worked with this as a builder, but products put out by Johnson Hardware, which is a door. It's a pocket door that mounts to the surface of the wall, if you can imagine that. That was very popular nationwide last year. For those of you that are saying, I need to retrofit, I've got a cased opening, but I can't I can't swing a door. I don't have room to do that. It actually has a decorator track that mounts on the wall. It has the hardware that mounts to it. It looks like it's part of the room decor, but the door simply slides back on the surface of the wall and then slides to cover the opening. Rather unique, and I was surprised to see that in this list. And we go on in our top ten as well with a company called Rolex, R-O-L-L-E-X, not the watch, insulating steel siding. Again, that was one of those we just talked about. Uh, hydronic heating panel, which is an alternative heating source. Porter Cable thermometer. This was also surprising. Infrared heat guns. Not only are contractors, but homeowners are buying these now to see where they're losing energy in and around their home. CertainTeed is a manufacturer of insulated vinyl siding. That one came over, came across very big last year. Exterior, the excuse me, um, A.O. Smith water products tankless water heater. I wanted to get that one in. I couldn't get through all of these, but you asked me a lot of questions from time to time about those. Tankless water heaters, both electric and gas, were big across the country last year. And there were 40 others there. I'm not going to go through all of those, but many of these dealt with energy efficiency. They also dealt with accessibility, some of those that made the top 50. And we talk about that occasionally on segments we do on the show when we deal with universal living. So that tells us as builders, as developers, around the country what you, the consumer, are looking for. You keep letting the architects, the engineers, your designers, and your contracts know what you want. The manufacturers are paying attention.
0: Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, and he's here to answer questions that are important to today's homeowner. If you want to reach Ken, you can at 800-614-2975 or through his website, that's Ken, the Contractor. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor, uh, the show where folks come for professional answers. If you have a question about your home, you can always be part of our program. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or online at KenTheContractor.com. Don't forget to check out our website. That is KenTheContractor.com. You'll find a lot of very important and useful home improvement information right there online at KenTheContractor.com. For Ken Patterson, I'm Jim Britt. Thanks for joining us this hour. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.